Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. book club i'm chris and this is paris hello paris hello welcome to episode 20 how are you feeling i'm hungry today you hungry uh, paris i'm starving and i have a headache oh maybe well maybe we can feed you something yeah, something maybe, to chew on maybe we'll eat a little bit of a mystery perhaps oh to, to, god to, to you know well, digest I did, shall I did, we say i did actually make banana bread and bring it over but chris didn't want any so i had a pretty big breakfast and i'm trying to start watching everything i eat again so oh. the, the calorie control is super tight once more Okay. Speaking of food, um, this week's, or not week, I guess this episode's book is Murder Gone Awry. That is A hyphen R-Y-E by Nancy J. Para or Para. Para. I'd para. Say. Nice Para. <laughs> yeah. So um, this book, Chris's girl. Friend? Sure. Yeah. Girlfriend. Chris's girlfriend uh, discovered just walking through a bookstore, and it was so stupid, Chris decided he made an executive decision that we had to read it. We were kind of explicitly looking for uh, some terrible books. Like, yeah. yeah. That was kind of like the second time I ever went out with her. I was like, hey, let's look at terrible books together, because that's how you charm the ladies right. really well. Uh, so anyway, she found this glorious book. It's... um. That's a strong word for, it's, it's, for what's happening. It's the second book in the Baker's A Baker's Treat Mysteries series mm-hmm. by Nancy J. Para. So um, in reading this book, we discovered that apparently food-based subgenres are a thing food-based mysteries in particular this yeah, is, this what is the fuck? if you look on the inside cover you start seeing blurbs from other authors that support the work i guess we could say yeah and they all have the subtitle of like their particular mystery series so there's, there's this like cabal of uh, yeah. food-based mystery writers <laughs> like what the fuck so this book oh yeah that's right we didn't even tell you this book is specifically part of a gluten-free mystery series yes because that's a thing that now exists. The first book in the uh, series was Gluten for Punishment. Yeah, this one is Murder Gone Awry, which I take I take I take offense to. You offense. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I just have a problem with it because there's no rye in this whole story. There's no fucking rye. True. No rye. No I, rye I, at I all. I think she baked a bread at some point. No, of some she kind. didn't. She's just been making pies and cupcakes and muffins and shit. No right to speak. Yeah, of. well, you know, I guess they're really Very reaching, they're reaching for the puns a lot on yeah. these th- things because uh, so I have a little game that we're gonna play. Oh, okay. Here, um, sorry, I was getting my coffee. That, uh, you know, all of these books Actually, have. I'm gonna move this fucking cushion. No, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just uncomfortable <laughs> let's on par- this couch. Let Paris get comfortable. Oh, the last time I moved this cushion, I found a terrible surprise. So yeah, let's not mention the terrible surprise oh, underneath the cushion. That's your, that's your own mystery, <laughs> listeners. 
Send in your ideas for what was under the cushion. Yeah, let's just say Chris's couch holds many secrets anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what we'll say. Anyway, back to the game I'd like to play based on uh, Two Truths and a Lie or perhaps Horseweed Mind's Eye from Oh Yeah Dude, a favorite podcast of mine. Yeah, and mine. Uh, You know, maybe I'm kind of ripping their game a little bit, but I'm going to list um, a few books from a a specific series. Like They're all going to be under one theme. And you're going to have to pick out the title that I made up. Damn it. Okay. So I'm picking the one that's not real. Yeah. Only one of them is one that I made up because I'm not as good of a punner, let's say, uh, as some of these authors. Um, I'm going to give you the theme beforehand, even though it'll be pretty obvious to pick out what the idea is. I have uh, six separate things. So now you have a choice to make here. You can either... I, I've made it so that there are three choices with one lie or six choices with All one right, lie. All right, well, let's start with the three and see how I do. Yeah, it, I'll list the other titles that I had as an option after the fact anyway. So uh, let's start with the um, Cheese Lovers series. Oh, okay. So here are some titles for you. I'll give you two titles or three titles, and one of them will be one that I made up. Okay. And you have to decide which one. Um, as Gouda as Dead. Oh, Provolone and Afraid. <laughs> And, <laughs> and lost and fondue. Oh, you, you had to have made up provolone afraid. You're actually right. Yeah. Yes. How? What's your reasoning behind oh, that? Because it was too funny to actually oh, okay. be a, so a, actually stup- a bad author pun. It was too good. Oh, that was too good. Provolone and afraid. Please bear with me if my uh, mic level is clipping here. I'm kind of watching as we oh, record. I'm sort God. of riding the mic level. Um, uh, other. Right. Books in the Cheese Lover series include, these are real, uh, To Brie or Not To Brie. Oh, God. For Cheddar or Worse, and a personal favorite of mine, The Long Quiche Goodbye. Fuck! I believe a Fuck. quiche is an egg thing, right? That's not even like really, it's got to have some cheese in it. But oh, it's yeah, a, it's like an, it's it's like like an egg fritter. It, it's like an egg and cheese, like, souffle fritter. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not that great. Okay, all right. Um... Let's go. For, next do you, one. Do you still want three or six from here? Um, well, I we'll do all the threes first, and then we'll do the six. I have six for every single. Uh, you have the option of every single. Oh Jesus <laughs> Christ! Um, let let's stick with three for this one. Okay, so okay. this is the comfort food series. Okay. Um, do or diner, chicken fried homicide, <laughs> macaroni and freeze. Okay, you made a macaroni and freeze. What's your reasoning there? Because, I, I don't know. It's just, like, too ludicrous. Okay. Um, it is not Macaroni oh, Freeze. Fuck. Macaroni Freeze is a very fuck. real title. I made up Chicken Fried Homicide. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> Other titles in this series include A Second Helping of Murder, uh, It's a Wonderful Knife, and Diners, Drive-Ins, and Death, which is actually a play on a Guy Fieri reality show title. So that's, really? Yes. Oh, would, that makes it so much worse. Okay. Um, oh, man. Uh, three or six for this next one. I'm going to ask you every time. I'm want... gonna, let's go up to six. For this I one? know I failed one, but I don't care. Okay, this one is, uh, so I'll go with my, one of my personal favorites here. The Soup Lovers series. Oh, Jesus Christ. So you have to pick out the one lie. Okay, um, guys, guys. Also, people listening to this realize these are all actual yeah, no, subgenres they, 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 of mysteries. I'm just driving it home because I couldn't believe it. I, I would say themes more than subgenres because they're all mysteries. They're all murder yeah, mysteries. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess it's the theme. Anyway, continue. There's a lot of murder mysteries here. Okay, so here's six soup lovers mysteries to choose from. Let's see if you can spot what I made up. Uh, a spoonful of murder. Okay. A rue of revenge. Pretty good. A broth of betrayal. 
a bisque worth taking, a clue in the stew, and ladle to the grave. Oh, man. I'm going to say you made up bisque. A bisque worth taking? Yeah, yeah. I did indeed make up a bisque yes. worth taking. You're pretty good on this one. All right. Well, two out of three isn't great. Okay. What, what was your All reasoning right. there? Um, I don't. Wait. You're going purely by instinct. This is gut yeah, stuff. Yeah, I feel like, like it really might kidding. be. Well, because because I felt like yeah, in the list it was like all right. Well, that one didn't specifically sound like murder. I think is is the thing. Okay. That got sure. Me. Yeah, that one was actually the toughest one for me to come yeah. up with. A, a no, it was a good. For. It was a good one. It was a good one. But uh, you know, I'm doing. I'm not. This isn't my forte. So. Yeah, I, nor would it be mine. All right, uh, the next one is the cupcake baker's mystery series. Would you like three or six? Six. All right. Six. Someone's confident. No, oh, I'm just, I just want to hear all the stupid titles. Well, I was going to say all the titles no matter what. Yeah, I but, know, but anyway. Okay, here we are. Sprinkle with Murder, Sugar and Iced, Death by the Dozen, Lemon Drop Dead, Vanilla Beaned, and Red Velvet Revenge. Oh my God, please tell me you made up Vanilla Beaned. No, I did not make oh, up Vanilla Beaned. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Oh, why? I made up Lemon Drop Dead. Really? Yes, okay. that, that was my con- contribution oh. to this mystery series. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Um, we've got two more series here. This next one was just kind of like a general food based. They didn't food really based. have like a, a, you know, unifying food theme. It was just all, it was like the Golden Bear series or something, but they were all food based titles. Golden Bear? But I, don't, the... I don't understand either. I don't oh, okay. It was just right. generally a food, three or six for this one. Six. All right. Catering to Nobody, The Main Corpse. A murder for two, chopping spree, double shot, and grilling season. What was the first one again? Uh, I believe that was catering to nobody. That's dumb. Um, sorry. Okay. Catering to no one, grilling season. Yes. Chopping spree, chopping spree, a murder for two, murder for two, main corpse, main corpse. and double shot. Oh, um, fuck. <laughs> yeah, this one's know. a little too wide of a variety. Here. I don't know which one you made up. Um, G- give me a guess. It's all, this is all gut stuff. I know. Um, grilling season was my first. Okay, uh, that is a real one. Oh, I geez. made up a murder for two. Damn it, that was going to be my fuck. I, oh, I'm so <laughs> mad at myself. <laughs> All right, last one. All right. Um, this one I say for last in particular because it's a very weird series. <laughs> what um, is it, it is the White House Chef series. What? White House Chef series. It's, are you what? With titles such as Foreign Eclairs. Oh Jesus. State of the Onion. Fonduing Fathers. What? Meet the press as in meat. Like yeah, it, yeah. The <laughs> executive orders Ugh. and home of the braised. Oh my god. This is like a combination of everything bad. It's like political intrigue, murder mystery, and food murder mystery. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. uh... Anything jumping out at you right away? Oh, Jesus. My stomach is grumbling. Hopefully no one can hear that. (laughs) Um, Apt for this uh, food-based podcast. People can be hungry after listening to this. Yeah. I, I apologize. All right, everybody. so we have executive. Executive orders. Home of the braised. Bra- home of the braised. 
Um, State of the Onion. State of the Onion. Foreign Eclairs. Foreign <laughs> Fondueing fathers and what the fuck is fondueing? Oh, like founding? <laughs> like that's <laughs> such a sec. stretch. Uh, and meet the press. I'm gonna say that you made up. Um... <laughs> Real hard. You could get a three out of. Sorry, six. what was the first one? Uh, I think that was foreign eclairs or executive orders. Foreign eclairs. You're gonna say I made up foreign eclairs? Yes. Okay, uh, that was a real one. Oh, Jesus. I made up Meet the Press. Really? Yes. Okay, I thought that was definitely real. No, that was actually, I, I had a lot of trouble getting one for that one, too. And might I note that I was surprised that there wasn't any sort of, like, butcher shop-based murder mysteries, which seems really obvious. No, 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 they're, 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 uh, I think that was in the I cover. didn't see any sort of meat-based. Wait, give or, me, give me that. Oh, here you go. I, sorry, I'm just, I feel like. I feel like ugh, I remembered something like that. Um, okay, apologies if I'm clipping a little bit here, but I'm trying to really read the levels as we're recording. But I'm pretty. Nope, I, I'm crazy. Yeah, I looked. I was looked quite a while for. Yeah, that some seems weird. Butchery based murder series because it seems so obvious to me. But yeah, the I guess one, not the ones noted in the cover are like fresh fiction, <laughs> soup lovers mysteries, gourmet delight mysteries. Chocoholic mysteries, cheese shop mysteries. I almost went for the chocolate ones, but like they, there's a lot in that series, and I kind of couldn't come up with any other puns based uh, on chocolate. Yeah, I mean, so all right, so that was fun. Um, you did a pretty decent job. There was a couple really. ones you picked it out. Yeah, two out of six, you guess. That was not good. That was not good. It's not a good. <laughs> I mean, based on how stupid the other titles. Oh, are. yeah. Uh, but just... these, this is all. This isn't supposed to be profound reading. It's clearly like just pulp lit. Like you buy in an airport or something to read. Yeah, a quick yeah. Story. It's supposed to just kind of be like fun, whatever. But it's um. I mean, a consequence of it not trying to be serious is that. It's really bland. Yeah, that's the yeah. basic problem I have with this book. While functionally, fu well, not well, entirely. Well, no, the end is really bad. For the most part, it it's like super lazy. It, it, you know, the plot proceeds in a fashion, but it's not necessarily exciting or. Um, and a lot of stuff happens that it's one of those like that would never happen in real life kind of a thing. Sure. It's so like... how about you set up a little bit of the general plot here? Um, so Tony is the main character, T-O-N-I. She's a 40-year-old, uh, single woman that had recently to, divorced. Recently divorced. She had to move back to her hometown of Oil Top, Kansas because, we well, shouldn't have to, but she decided to. That's where her family's from. Um, yeah, she decided to move back to her hometown, um, and start up a gluten-free bakery because she was living in, she had been living in Chicago and she caught her husband cheating on her with his best friend's wife. Like very cliche. This was like in, caught the, them in, bed. Yeah, in the first book in the series. Yeah. Like they, they make a couple of references to it, but I don't feel like you really needed to know what happened in the first book. No. Besides like she divorced her husband and then moved back. And, and then there was a murder mystery that like people thought she was the murderer or something. Cause someone was drowned or something. No, a, no, no. Her, um, her best friend, Tasha, Tasha's boyfriend was the crazy murderer yes. and was stalking everyone. I don't know. That's about as far as it goes for eh. continuity. Yeah. So it's not necessary to really. So it's. I feel like it doesn't really feel. I don't know if it's it's a series just because it deals with the same characters. Yeah, but that's 100%. What, it's yeah. pretty weird that there would be all these mysteries needing to be solved in a fucking some out of the way tiny town in Kansas. That's how literally every mystery series has ever worked ever. I'm yeah, sure. it's just it's just stupid. Um it would be one thing if they were just mysteries, but the fact that they're murder mysteries makes it really hard to believe. Uh makes it really unrealistic. Um just cuz I mean a small town like this doesn't have murders all the time. Like it's just not 
Thing. Yeah, usually in, the, um, in these kind of books, it's like the first couple like really rock the town. Then like the seventh or eighth is happening. And it's still like a huge deal. It's like guys, yeah, we've been having bodies pop up for like it doesn't make any months sense. now. I mean, it'd be one thing if it were if it were like all of Kansas or like a big city like L.A. or Boston, but like just it's a really small town. It seems like it's like I think it's based on hilltop Kansas, probably because oil top doesn't exist and. a uh, what I found out by reading an interview with the author about this series is that it's just a whole big, just, it's actually her life because she has no creative mind. So um, she actually has a grandma, Ruth, who oh. was actually like this. Oh. The main character is oh. this Mary Sue self-insert. Oh. Uh, oh. Yeah. The, <laughs> even the dog, well, she doesn't have a great Pyrenees, but the the puppy in all the the dog in all of her other se- so she writes other terrible series yeah she has some kind of romance series she I has think. a romance series she has a a bridal themed murder series sure why not and uh i there's a couple other ones i don't remember what the theme is um well, themed murder mystery writing is what she seems yeah, to do but for- weirdly she has a different pen name for each series yeah, people it's do like that. It's like Nancy J. Para, Nancy Coco for the Fudge Mystery series <laughs> she has. That one has her literal dog in it. In It's like actually her dog. Like I looked at the, the covers and the dog is on all of them. And it's like this little, I don't know, it looks like a Bichon mix or, or Bichon maybe. Right, yeah. And she calls it. Well, right, calls right what you dog. know, I guess. That's what she said in her interview, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people say to do. So, I mean. But copy. And she's like, oh, yeah, I grew up in Kansas. I had a grandma, Ruth. I had a big family just like Tony and like. But when she says she has a grandma Ruth, maybe she means she had someone like grandma Ruth and not a literal. No, I'm pretty sure she had. It said she had a grandma named Ruth who was just like this. She was an investigative journalist that got around on a scooter and was um, as wide as she is tall. She was. Well, everything except the investigative journalist part was true. <laughs> um, she lost her license and her. Because she was a crazy driver and she had to have a little. I think it was like a bike or a scooter and her dad put a. A little flag on it, just like in Grant in the story. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so kind of. <laughs> yeah. One of the, I guess like the most unique or like the hook I would say in this book at all. The only point of interest is Grandma Ruth, the the grandma that gets around in a scooter and is very uh, energetic. Might not be the best word, but well, like she's wound cool. up about solving this mystery. Yeah, I mean, the the series it's definitely supposed to be funny and silly and the whole book is puns yes so if you like puns i guess but i found it really fucking annoying and grating and just bad writing it's not good writing um if everything is a pun it's just not it's not great um well i mean like again these these books and this author probably does just a lot of like really quick pulp reads that are aren't yeah, meant they're just I meant know. for a distraction for a day or two because I clipped through this book probably quicker than a lot of other books that we've oh, read. Yeah, I um like Paul's playing Paul was just like playing Skyrim. I don't know why he just started playing old Skyrim. And I was like, Oh, perfect, I gotta finish this book. I read from page twenty six to page like two hundred and uh 200 Probably about 260. So I read like 270 or 250 pages or something in just one sitting. And then I finished it. Kind of mostly what I did, like, too. I just was... found a spot where I was like, well, I don't have anything to do for three or four hours. Let's just clip through this whole thing. 
Yeah, and like really you know, this, if she's making a living off of this, good for her. Yeah, I mean, if if you can make your living off of like really mediocre writing that you don't have to put much thought into, then that's awesome because you don't have to do much and you make bank, right? Yeah, I don't so, know how. I mean, I don't know how many people are buying these things besides myself. Like, <laughs> I yeah, I guess that's always the question for me is is how are there so many people into all these different weird food themed mysteries that there's a market for it, but there must be a market for it because they keep putting them out. I think at a certain level, it's about like an output thing where like you just kind of hit as many niches as you can and someone will eventually pick it up, which is a thing that I've heard works. If you're writing like Kindle, Amazon erotica to sell to people. Oh yeah. People are super into that too. Like apparently you just write as many as you can, put them all out for like a dollar each and eventually it all adds up in the end to like a decent income. If you can, I've heard that you have to like basically be outputting like one story a week or something like that. To... Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, but if you can do that, cool. I mean, we read a couple of those. We read that lion book. Yeah. Uh huh. That was bad. Actually, my friend, uh, my friend, I think I was, I think I'm allowed to out to out her. Uh, my friend Elisa. <laughs> Let's be careful here. <laughs> she's my uh, my publishing world contact. Um, some insider she, baseball here on yeah, the book club. Yeah, no, she she's great. She uh, she's the one that tipped us off to the terrible lion book, um, and she recommended that I actually bake something from this book for the show today. <laughs> and sneaky backroom info: we're meeting in garages behind the libraries. No, no, no. We used to work together, so that's that's our connection. Um, but anyway, so I was I was like, yeah, that's a great idea, and I intended to do that. But we weren't even supposed to record today because Chris didn't think he was going to have time. Yeah, something so, fell through. So I got up this morning and just made some banana bread, like regular ass banana bread. I just threw it together. I'd never made it before, but I, you know, that's how it goes. You have bananas lying around. You get some flour. Eh, you know, you make banana bread. So I made it and then we ended up recording today. So yeah, well, I made know. a gluten full recipe for today accidentally. So sorry, Elisa, I kind of mostly failed you. Um, but to be fair, the recipes given in the back of this book. So, yeah, the, this this author is actually uh, she has celiac disease. So that was why she chose to write this, this whole gluten free thing. Uh, and she has some recipes in the back, most of which I think are kind of bullshit because they're using like a lot of store-bought like yeah it's just like instead of being inventive and making something uh, making a dessert that doesn't even require flour so you don't even have to worry about it she's just like buy the bisquick gluten-free flour and make this regular ass recipe i mean it's probably pain in the ass to make gluten-free flour and all i mean i think in the preparation of gluten-free stuff there's just like a lot of different ways you have to handle things which was brought up in the book actually yeah there's a lot of moments in the book where she just decides to give you baking tips on yeah. like how to handle gluten-free flour or dough or something um, like and that. she also says i didn't have time to look this up because i again you know we just kind of decided to record this today sort of last minute um but she says that there's gl- tr- gluten in like vanilla extract and ketchup and i was like dude how is that even possible in ketchup i can believe it because like consumer store-bought ketchup it's definitely going to have some additives in it to like make the consistency a certain way and probably a little bit of that is like some gluten kind of thing based thing yeah but it's not i mean it's not on the label and why would they put 
I don't know. It just seems a little. It's probably weird. like not enough to like maybe actually trip some regulations, but it might be enough for certain people with celiac disease. Yeah, if they actually have celiac disease, I totally like I get that. But this is probably going to bring me to a soapbox rant about how I don't believe all you motherfuckers out there who are constantly Shit, throwing down oh, the fucking bowl. I'm gluten free. I can't eat gluten. You know, I just you know I don't have celiac, but ugh, just every time I eat bread, I just I'm just in the bathroom. For, shut up. No. Your your the rest of your bad eating is probably why you don't feel good when you eat a, like if you're eating a shit ton of bread you're probably also eating a shit ton of I don't know burgers and fats and like all kinds of other stuff that are not good for you in large quantities it's like I don't know that's just my theory but it's these people who just want to feel so much special a theory because there's been a lot of scientific studies that say gluten intolerance really isn't a thing celiac disease absolutely oh 100% yeah is. it totally is and i and i have and i know people that have it it is good in a way that like sort of the gluten intolerance thing became a fad because it allowed for more options for people actually with celiac disease yeah. so there's kind of a positive oh yeah no they turn from uh, all of that absolutely because i know some people who really do have celiac and it sucks for them. Excuse me if I got uh, distracted for a second because I just got a text message saying my mixes for the third Graveborn album just got in. So oh, that's going to be a fun thing to do. Hooray! I'm so excited after this episode. That's a little sidebar. Yay! Uh, um, let's get back to the plot. How about now? Because well, we no, no, no. I oh, still have I still okay. have some shit to say about people with not without celiac. So if you have celiac disease, yeah, I know some of you. Some of you are my good friends, and that sucks. Like I watch you guys struggle to order things at restaurants and like feel like you have to make everything at home because you're afraid of getting really sick and that sucks like I, I understand that but there are so many people I encounter on a daily basis who will sit there and try to fucking tell me that they don't have celiac disease but they're gluten intolerant they can't they can't handle gluten. it's bullshit it's not real like have you read any scientific studies have you had any testing done like I just look man I know that science isn't perfect we don't know everything but I really believe that a lot of people jump on this train because they just don't educate themselves. They have no idea that gluten is not something that's evil and bad for you. And they, they get, they're like, oh, it's healthy to not eat gluten. So I'm just not, I'm just not, I'm gluten free. It's like, fuck you. You don't know anything. Shut up. Eat a piece of bread. If you ate something that I swear to God, these are the people that Hot if you topic, fed them, a fucking nerd if you over fed here. them something with gluten in it and didn't tell them they wouldn't know and nothing would happen is this how you get when you don't eat no like, well i am so i am actually really <laughs> no it's just because i have to deal I'm with it I'm no, no no it's just because i i don't know why actually did a, glu did a gluten intolerant person like attack you and <laughs> <laughs> no i think that i run into it a lot because uh i'm a stupid vegetarian so i'm i'm always looking up uh, as opposed to those smart vegetarians yes that, as you know who no no i, I went I to just, stupid vegetarian university <laughs> no i like to poke fun at it because i'm not i'm not a crazy person but i i eat vegetarian i i try to eat most people with diet restrictions aren't really that much of an asshole yeah, about it and yeah, people like, that I'm like not, get I'm not like reactionary dick, about it are like the real assholes about it yeah so anyway so uh because i'm always looking up like vegan and vegetarian stuff like i, I try to eat as vegan as I can, but I, I mostly eat vegetarian because eh, cheese is great. I mean, I know. I know, cheese I know. Is wonderful. Those of you that are vegan if are going to vilify me. I know. I, I, if I, I like, know. suddenly turned lactose intolerant, it would be probably the worst thing to ever happen to me. Um, it's very possible because your body can run out of the enzyme that processes it. Shit. It happened to my coworker. God damn it. Yeah. She, she, uh, it happened to my coworker. She now can't eat um, dairy anymore because her body ran out of the enzyme to process a, it. That's yeah. a terrible fate. Fucking crazy. So, um, anyway. Uh, sorry. So I, I just seem like I, I run into a lot of recipes for gluten-free shit because 
I don't know. People that some people that are vegetarian and vegan also have those same like bad ideas that it's like, you know, oh, people you're a bad person be, if you eat differently from me. And yeah, they they want to be healthy, but then they they also, then they just end up on the wrong. Path, once people think. think that they have found the right way of living, they tend to want to evangelize to others about mm-hmm. how they should be living their lives, right. lives too. Yeah, because on, it comes from a sort of genuine place of I want to help other people feel as good as I do about things like this. If you just do this, you'll feel great. Yeah, if, you know something like that. But it fails to take into account that literally everybody has slightly different body chemistry. Yeah. I mean, it you should know, be more. Like, you should follow advice from friends that you trust and stuff. But in the end, it's more about taking all the information in around you and coming to a conclusion for yourself more than, yeah. well, my one friend or this one scientist or one researcher said something that I tend to agree to. Yeah, and a I mean, predisposition. That yeah, I, and I, I just yeah, I just think that a lot of people become very misguided when they get excited about something, and that that can go for a lot of things. Um, but I think that it just really bothers me because I see it everywhere. It's on like. Everything now has gluten-free. Like, oh, this polar seltzer is gluten-free, Chris. Chris, look at your polar seltzer right now and tell me. Calorie-free, 100% natural, family-made since 1987. Oh, is it not on the new ones? Maybe not. I mean, like... Oh, no, it says it. It says it. I see it. Look above the nutrition facts. Above. Contains no juice, soda, sugar, sodium, cal- Oh, yep, right there, gluten-free. Yep, gluten-free. Every It's like well, things that just don't even need to be labeled as gluten-free are all labeled as gluten-free as like this weird marketing thing because it's become a popular misconception that it's healthier. I don't think it's that so much as just like even things that obviously don't have gluten, maybe some very ignorant person that wants to be gluten-free might not understand. And I guess it is marketing in the end. Yeah. Because, of course, water doesn't have gluten in it. Right. But I mean, I think I think it's great, it's you still, know, for people you know, who have celiac bottle, disease. Then but... that person is more likely to buy your shit. Yeah, so, like, exactly. It's true. They're not lying. There, there definitely is no gluten in this water. No, they're not lying, but <laughs> it creates this. It's like a scare tactic for everything else that doesn't have. We're label, like 20 you know? minutes to a half sorry, hour into this episode. Sorry. We haven't even begun to fucking okay, talk about the book. I'm going <laughs> to shut up. I'm going to shut up. For those of you that have celiac disease. Sorry. I know that sucks shit. For those of you fucking weirdos that are just really trying to be gluten-free get out get out of here i don't i don't want to know you one day some gluten-free like gluten intolerant claiming to be person like made your life a living hell for a day and now no i just hear i just overhear it a lot and i see it a lot on cooking all right let's let's get into the plot of this book anyway uh tony lives in oil top (sighs) kansas with with her grandma ruth she has a house that is like her family house and has like a billion rooms or some shit yeah it's this huge ass house and like her family comes by to visit sometimes grandma ruth is a sort of like this scootering about investigative journalist type or she used to be she used to be an investigative journalist now she just has a blog on the internet and she likes to figure out murder or like mysteries she's in her 90s so she needs stuff to keep her busy very energetic for a 90 year old gets the fuck around even in the scooter like she even when she gets up off the scooter she has a walker but she's still gets around so so yeah so you got tony who opened the gluten-free bakery so like a lot like chris was saying a lot of it is her running the bakery with her assistant megan and who uh requisite punky alt chick yeah that was that was something i found very odd in this book maybe she has a friend or a daughter i don't know like yeah got a bunch of tattoos Um, and piercings yeah well she doesn't mention any tattoos but she does have some piercings i think she talks about getting a tattoo soon yeah like that but she's definitely like she just described as like always in like fishnets and fishnets and corsets and and skirts kind of thing boots yeah alt girl character yeah who helps at the bakery and like sometimes gets involved in the hijinks with grandma ruth here and there no no, grandma ruth has a, a buddy aunt phyllis who's not really 
really an aunt, but like is you know the aunt that is a friend of your mom, so you call her aunt. No, she no Ruth adopted her. That's that's the deal. Yeah, okay. So she's adopted. She's adopted Aunt Phyllis, and Aunt Phyllis is pretty cool. But she and Grandma get into a bunch of hijinks, and um, the whole the whole mystery. So there's there's actually two mysteries from two very different decades that are happening simultaneously in the book. So the first mystery from the fifties is the not really the not the town founder but the the guy, town the, hero yeah guy that became the town hero um and his best friend they basically became really famous and wealthy because they were in uh, a war together i don't know if it was world war ii or if it was the korean war i, I a war yeah it they didn't actually specify but i think it was supposed to be world war ii is my guess um and in world war ii uh Hutch Everett, again, the name Everett popping up in our book. And also this book is in Kansas, which is also in the last book. Very weird. It's the it's the literal middle of America. Yeah. You know, it's Can- like, it's, Kansas it's, and Everett's. I don't know. They're very it's, it's common. Literally as central or Midwest America as you can get. Yeah. So uh, they're in the war together. It's Hutch Everett and his friend Champ Rogers. Uh, and Hutch does something very heroic. And Champ is there to... Rem- kind of remember it and champ was a very good storyteller so yeah, hutch was like in a platoon and he saved his men by saved doing a bunch a, of yeah some generic brave act that i kind yeah. of forgot what it was yeah but me too good soldier comes back to the town he's like the football hero and the soldier guy so he's like the best american you can be yeah possible yes. at all times like he's it- super captain america so <laughs> um so because of his bravery I threw a football at that dang nazi and they <laughs> yeah it's yeah basically <laughs> so because of his bravery and champ's ability to the story so well they end up getting removed from active service and they just tour the country telling the story which i think is fucking insane i don't think it's a thing that's ever happened i mean that literally happened in the captain america movie and it's oh really okay maybe it's based on things that like they would do uso tours for like especially brave or like you know well-known soldiers because they're obviously they're more useful as a pr person at that point than like a grunt in the army or something like that so they so and there's there's some discussion that it probably never happened, but they just made it up to get out of service. That's not but, really a point. But of it's yeah, that it's much. nothing that really gets he is proven. Literally just Uber America football soldier man that done good the whole time. Yeah. So they come back to the town. Uh, they erect a statue of the guy. He's so famous. He has like his he... own history section and city hall, like specifically yes. like his files or some shit. Yeah, it's very weird. Um, that boy don't, I don't throw a football good, let me tell you. Yeah, I don't understand why him being... I mean, I get that, you know, he could be like a town hero, but the kind of the lengths that it gets to are... Oh, the heights that it gets to are yeah. a little ridiculous. Like, yeah. like Chris is saying, he has his own section of his own journals and i forget what else he did he did good things for the town right he, he like, donated he, he had a lot of money and he yeah. invested in a lot of things his son is like kind of a, a character mm-hmm. in the present day and yep. he's very well connected in the town he's sort of like the biggest mover and shaker he's on like the board of commerce or something yeah so the whole family is very is like wealthy and it, it has their kind of their fingers and everything in town because of the father's philanthropy i guess um so his secretary, um, Lois, she always took no took his dictation for his journal, which is which weird. Is really to me. weird. Like yeah, your private journal, you would like have your secretary write down. Doesn't seem like it's very private. Yeah, but then again, seemed... continue with. So, um, so she was always really close to the family, and um, 
and was his his personal secretary. So obviously everyone thought they were having an affair. But they, but they kind of were. Turns, they no. were, weren't they? No, they were. I thought they were. No, she gets really mad later on because no. no. Oh, okay. So this was no. like a really foggy point. So for it me. was it was a red herring basically the whole time. Yeah. Um and. So the mystery, the initial mystery is like, okay, so there's there's this weird relationship going on and and then Grandma Champ Ruth Rogers w- dies. Yeah. Champ is murdered. Champ is murdered and every and there's like some people think that Hutch Everett murdered him. Um but nobody knows why. The weapon was never found. Hutch Everett had this reward out for his um Friend, for the killers yeah. for information on the killer and nobody ever that never gets solved kind of gets flash forward eventually swept under the rug you know 70 years late 60 70 years later um lois the secretary is found murdered on the front lawn of the chamber of commerce where the statue is of hutch everett and there's some scooter tracks and there's some scooter tracks and grandma ruth yeah. is a known arch enemy of lois yeah which they never really elaborate on i forget yeah Which i don't really remember why they're they like, were like oh they're arch enemies but no one really i think it was just because lois was lois kind of ran the chamber of commerce and thought she was the fucking i don't know the bee's knees and grandma ruth you know just they don't come from a wealthy it. family so it, and and she was kind of a a questioner and somebody who poked the bear yeah. quote unquote she, you know grandma ruth likes to get uh, the pot stirred Right. Stirred, uh, pot, stirred pot. That's another so, mystery title somewhere. I so, bet. of course, you know, they try to uncover, they try to figure out, they, they think the mystery, uh, the murders are related because at the time, Grandma Ruth was doing some investigation into the old murder and Lois was about to tell her, sorry, I just hit the mic. Yeah. Lois was about to tell her something that would break the case wide open and then Lois ends up dead before she can tell her. So, um, I mean, let's, I guess we should just talk about what actually you know how the mysteries get solved and then we can talk about how shitty the book is because yeah i feel I, like the mystery isn't that the end talking let's talk about talking like, about the end of it later yeah that's the way really it wraps up like just kind of really everything stupid. really shitty and like even yeah. all the build like so the only way that like any investigating gets done is grandma ruth rolls up to tony's bakery or the house or something she's like we're gonna do this shit and you're gonna have to help me or else I don't know what. The yeah, she like she is. tries to like she blackmails Tony constantly and but or like, guilts with her, not, not blackmail. Much at all. Guilts, guilts her into doing. She'll things. be like, oh, I'll end up in jail because Grandma was like taken in for questioning and like thrown in jail for a night at a time. But this happens like four times throughout the book, and it's always used as sort of like the the piece of blackmail. Like, oh, if, if you if you let me go on my own, I'm more likely to get caught and end up in jail, and you wouldn't have that, would you, Tony? Yeah, I think she she actually ends up in prison once, and they quest- they take her in for questioning another time. But, so like, she's, the threat of it is yeah. always... I mean, and, and, like, yeah, so Grandma Ruth is always is doing all this sleuthing and getting caught all the time. Like, she's not very good at not getting caught. And they, they like... There's like breaking and entering. They they actually do some real crimes. Yeah, I think to try Grandma to figure this out. and Tony commit more crimes in the end, but like yeah. mi- more minor crimes, you could say. Like, yeah, it's it's just really odd how they treat all these all these offenses as like, oh, just a funny grandma yeah, investigating. Like, no, that's also, actually like Tony's a total pushover. Yeah, there's she's a terrible. scene like in the beginning where Awful Grandma character. is like. She wants to watch uh, her like grandson in the Macy's Day Parade because he has like a position in the marching band or something. Oh, yeah, they have they have a family of like fifty two people. Or yeah, it's like a giant people. family, of yeah. course. But anyway, um, and then she's like, "Oh, I I want to watch it on something better than myself on like one of those new iPads, which you're going to buy for me, Tony." And then Tony just like accepts that she's going to have to buy this thing, the iPad, yeah. even though no threat or anything at all. Well, it's and, very. But she puts it as like, Grandma got one over on me again. Yeah, it's like, it's, not, it's... no, she fucking did. Just say no. 
So the whole the whole thing is that like grandma has, you know, given the family this this house is in the fa- you know, technically I think probably belongs to grandma. I don't even know she doesn't live there anymore. I think the so deed was handed over to Tony, to Tony in the yeah. end. But the the idea is that oh grandma adopted all these kids and she took care of everyone for so long, so we owe her forever is kind of the thing. Yeah. Which I think it's sort of bullshit. I always personally. hate that reasoning when it comes to families. I don't subscribe to that. Neither does Chris. It but was your fucking choice to have a child, so you're you're obligated to raise it up. Yeah, but they're not. I don't think they're obligated to do anything for you, um, really. So maybe if they're a nice person to you and yeah, they've yeah, been nice sure. their whole life, yes, you should fucking take care of your grandparents. But but the, you know, someone this, who pushes you around a lot and like guilts and blackmails yeah. you into going on to investigative crime Fucking, sprees yeah, yeah. Like breaking and entering into city hall like twice over at Seems least kind of fucked up and so the main character really sucks in a lot of ways like that's the one of one of the ways she really sucks she's not a strong character at all i mean not that everyone is so maybe it's sort she of realistic gra- grandma that, ruth is the one that does things and tony just kind of like cleans yeah. up after her or follows right. her so but maybe i mean maybe even though she's not a good role model, maybe it's realistic because a lot of people are like that. True. A lot of people are huge pushovers and they let their family walk all over them because family and blood ties. Yeah, but ties. I also don't feel like I there's a know. character arc at all. Like, no, there's, there's no develop. No one nope. changes. Nope. At all. No one there's learns a lesson. There's no development. Um, no one learns a lesson. Nothing. I don't think even like the killer technically learns a lesson no, or whatever. No, no. So, um, so back to the mystery. So like I said, you know, you got Hutch Everett. Um, his best friend, Champ Rogers, is mysteriously killed. They don't find the killer. And then 60, 70 years later, his um, secretary is... Her head gets smashed in, actually, yep. outside of City Hall. Um, so what actually happened is that Hutch Everett had a wife, Susan. They, for some reason, were unable to get pregnant, and Susan blamed Hutch. She tried to seduce Champ Rogers his best friend uh-huh. and because champ was a womanizer she, she was like oh it's gonna be easy but champ was like uh no you're my best friend's wife that's even fucking i have weird. my limits yeah he's like no so she um so champ she kills him in a fit of rage not realizing that champ or maybe yes realizing that champ had gotten lois pregnant champ and lois were in love yes susan kills champ um hutch protects his uh, uh no lois protects susan yes because she likes Lois the family. is so even though susan killed her her boyfriend lois uh lois doesn't want to raise the child alone and doesn't want to have an abortion because christianity in kansas i guess yep. and so Pretty she much. gives the child to susan and hutch to raise as their own so it's kind of like, yeah, we're even now, even though I wouldn't feel that way. I think it's And that insane. child is the son that's in... That child Harold, is... I think his name was? No, Harold... Homer. Homer. Har- Homer. Oh, wait, oh, Homer's the dad. Oh, you're right. Oh, sorry, I screwed that up. It's Homer Everett. Hutch Everett is his son. Yeah, Hutch is the son. And then Homer's Harold the dad. is the grandchild. Yeah. Anyway. Fucking so, H-Men over yeah, here. Yeah, sorry. It's very confusing. Um, the and worst so, mutant uh, group there ever was, the H-Men. Yeah. They just run a small town kind of shittily. Yes, basically. <laughs> their and, only mutant power. Yep, that's they're, it. They uh, can their run dad a town. can throw a football at a Nazi real good. Yeah. That's about it. Um, I like how that's what I've reduced the character yes, down to. I mean, is just someone beaning Nazis with Honestly, a that is kind of all we know about the character. Um, so Throw that, that touchdown directly into Hitler's face, Homer. <laughs> so that that's what happened. So Susan killed Champ because he wouldn't sleep with her and get her pregnant. And then Lois was already pregnant by Champ and 
couldn't bear to raise the child alone or have an abortion. So she gave it to Susan and Homer to raise as their own. Um, Which is also like a really... We- so like- <laughs> Lois, Lois helped cover up the murder by hiding the gun that Susan used to kill Champ in the judge's chambers. It's, they were building like new walls and she like added extra wall. No, they the they whole extra the wall, wall was a ruse. Oh. So she was just like, oh, I don't know. We got a, there's a crack See, there's in the wall. There's a lot of like, red herrings in here that I like thought was the yeah. reason or something. And then in the end, they, they're just like, ah, not really. Yeah. And so, so she, she ends up building the, you know, having this wall repaired when it didn't really need to be. And, um, puts the gun in the wall and nobody knows about it. Um, cause she was the one that signed off on everything because she was Homer's assistant. She took care of, she basically ran everything. Yeah. And this is like and, the reasoning um, for grandma Ruth breaking into city hall all the time to like yeah. steal the journals from city hall. She stole journals and she stole like blueprints, stole blueprints for... to see. Cause she's like, Oh, there's, there's the walls eight inch thicker. Now that's like, you know, there's definitely something in there. Um, and anyway, so fast forward to all these many years later, Ruth is trying to figure out who killed Champ. She, she, everyone really thinks it's Homer ever. I mean, that would be the logical decision, um, but it's not. Even though he's still like in so, good graces in the town's sort of like consciousness, mm-hmm. no one really like is like, oh, what a shit bag. They're all just like, yeah, Homer's great. The Everett's are great. Like, yeah. So Ruth's trying to figure this out, and you know, she uncover. She thinks the gun's in the wall, and she's trying to get Lois to tell her about it. And before Lois can tell her who really killed him, Susan kills Lois. Yes. So Susan, crazy murderer. Or no, no, no. Sorry. Susan's already dead. Uh, Amy, Hutch's wife, kills Lois. So every yes. wife in the Everett family is a murderer. Yeah. What so the fuck? We, we really yeah. didn't get any of that plot straight at all over there. Yeah, sorry. It was well because it because was very like, uh, poorly. Super interchangeable. Like yeah. Amy and Susan are like the same. Yeah. Susan's already dead at the start of the book. I forgot. But they're both evil wives of H Everett. So it's yeah. really easy to confuse them and they don't really have any personalities in the book. Yeah. So they, they are just eh. used as like, even Amy at the end, who is the, like the, the real murderer, I yeah. guess like she's never appears in the book at all. No. I think she doesn't have a she's line. Just mentioned. She doesn't physically appear. Yeah. Ever. So it's, it's really poorly written. Like the plot is really poorly done in that. Like Chris is saying, there's all these red herrings, but not like for any, reasons that make sense or the even only, add up to anything in the end yeah the the only thing that made sense was trying you know thinking oh homer's definitely the murderer like yeah okay that's the logical choice i get that like i i understood all of that like unpacking all of that but it was really confusing because like you were saying these characters don't really ever appear so it's it doesn't really feel like it means anything by the end. Yeah. Um, and well, then the way about, it breaks. Yeah, oh, let's the talk way about it how, ends. like, oh, in, like, so the bad. last 10 pages, it's literally, like, the last 10 or 15 pages. Yeah, and it's that things real bad. wrap up. So, uh, Tony's having, like, a get together with her family. It's, like, Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving, and she's, like, cooking up all her gluten free turkey. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, I gotta make sure that turkey doesn't have gluten in it. <laughs> yeah, right well, she, had, she did make gluten free stuffing, which yeah, makes sense. Yeah, fine. I, that's. That's all good, but uh, uh, they're all gathered at the um, at the family, and so the Harold, right? Harold Everett is yeah, the one that shows the up. The grandchild. The grandchild. He's like a punk kid. He's like fourteen. Except they don't establish that yeah. at all in the, the rest only of the way book. He be, he's like established as a punk kid is like slightly before this thing. Grandma Ruth is taken to the hospital because she climbed up the statue of Homer Everett looking for clues. And, and Which had, doesn't make any sense, what, yeah, but anyway. <laughs> she has to get a higher viewpoint or something. And any, so it, the statue was greased up <laughs> real good. 
with yeah. like a silicone lubricant because like they it says like they have to so so here's grease the other, up the statue right so here's the okay so so much of this scene this whole thing connected to grandma ruth climbing a statue and falling and hurting herself doesn't make sense so one silicone greasing a statue is that even a thing what what it's like a protective layer or yeah, something but, but like here's the thing that doesn't make sense about it so remember in so tony is trying to get information about why the statue would be greased up because everyone thinks it's weird um and one of the the sign maker in town is like oh yeah i made a sign for that i cast it it was a really good cast it says yeah, like, like don't fucking climb the don't statue. climb the it's statue all, it's real but then they but then they here. but then they talk to the then they it's talk a real greasy statue ricky but then they talk to hutch Everett, and he's like we don't grease the statue so it's like <laughs> who commissioned yeah. that sign like who commissioned that sign then did the kid do it the, did the kid, kid? Did, the kid is the one that greased the statue. Yeah. Up, right? So did he also commission a sign? But yeah. Then they <laughs> thought that it... he like went to his dad's checkbook. He was like, "Oh yeah, my dad wants you to put yeah. this, this. Don't climb yes. the sign." Even though he greased up the statue in an effort to get Grandma Ruth out of the picture. Right. So so this is what I'm. All right. Hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, trying to parse this. Yeah, one. I know. It doesn't make any sense. He so, greases up the statue because he expected Grandma Ruth to keep investigating and he assumed she would climb the statue. Right, because she thought she saw something. So my only thought was, remember how Tony finds his jewelry in the bushes? Sure, yeah. Do you think he put he balanced that on the top of Hutch's ear? As like bait? As bait? Maybe I guess that's, that's the only the thing. Only that would, thing like, but it was remotely. But it was never explained, so that's why I'm trying to figure it out here. So like, okay, so he. But why would again? Yeah, it's like why <laughs> it would she? It sounds like the statue uh, greasing just happened to get Ruth in the hospital, so she would stop like constantly breaking into places, and like there would be like a moment of tension. Like it's like the one moment of tension in the book when she, it's like, oh, oh no, Grandma Ruth's in the hospital. I was like, oh shit, did someone try to kill her? Yeah, and it's just like, no, she climbed a greasy statue. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and so so many things don't make sense. One. Why would you climb a statue when you're 90 and can't even walk? Two, Two why, why would this... the kid do that when climbing the statue wouldn't lead to any sort of evidence? Yeah, like... And, and like, how would he know that she was going to do that? For what the fuck <laughs> could possibly be on a statue that would be connected to a murder? Like, I just... I Maybe Grandma Ruth thinks, like, Lois got hit and, like, a, a piece of jewelry flew somewhere onto the statue and that's, like, a good clue or something? I know that people were saying that they thought she might have fallen out a window, but that didn't... Yeah, I, there's nothing I, about it that makes sense ever. For, down yeah. to, like, why would Grandma decide to climb the statue? Why would the statue be greased? And even if it was for, like, it had that sign there, it, it turns out that wasn't a thing at all. Yeah, it, so much of it doesn't make so any sense. So I'm super confused about all of that. Yeah, the author did a really bad job. I think that was right the, there. the only thing right there Real was to, bad. A, get Grandma Ruth out of the picture for a little bit, and B, set up Harold as a punky kid. Yeah, except it's like Harold he, is never even like it's described as like he, his, his, how he pranks people. I don't think he was even trying to like foil Grandma Ruth so much as like, oh, I want to catch someone falling off a statue well, with here, my phone. Yeah, so here's the thing: so Harold, before this point, is only described as being kind of quiet and like not super sociable, but he's never described as having piercings. Or any of the things that sort of, quote, define him at the end of the book. He's not described as, like, having piercings or being rude or being or being a shithead, like, at all. And it's just suddenly at the end of the book, he's all of these things. And you don't even know how he has he piercings. piercings. Yeah. You don't even know he has piercings until the very, until like it, it's happening. I you're focusing on that as, like, the, the, um, the main ideal of rebellion is, like, oh, he's got a pierced ear. Which no, would no, make no. sense for, like, a Midwest no, town. No, 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 no. I'm saying it doesn't make sense because... 
if they had just if that had been any in the book at because she describes everybody that that is in the book but then doesn't re- only says that he's kind of like a little heavy set yeah. and doesn't talk about that as an intentional way to mask anyone from even thinking that that was going to happen at the end of the book or she just made it up at the end and yeah. like threw it in and I, and because of, because there's this whole thing where tony sees something shining in the bushes near the statue and just can't get to it every time she tries to look at it she can't get to it like if we had known he had had piercings and there was something shining in the bushes. Somebody could have pieced it together yeah, before the end of the like book. Yeah, there's like a reasonable plot line or like someone observer yeah. could have like guessed maybe or something but then, like that. But they didn't. It was just thrown While together. While we're on the topic of physical appearances, oh, can no. we talk about the severe male objectification Well, no, we're going to talk about that after we finish up with the bad ending, Yeah, I think. let's go through okay. the bad ending. Yeah, but uh, so, so the real ending of the story is this kid, I don't know, tries to... It's Yeah, like Chris was saying, it does seem like... House. Oh yeah, so sorry, sorry, sorry. So let's finish up the yeah. statue thing. He, so he shows so up it's at the unsure. house after grandma has been taken to the hospital after the whole statue greasing incident. On Thanksgiving, saying On Thanksgiving with here's these cupcakes that cookies. I made cookies that I made for you guys. Here you go. No, he said he was like, Oh, here are these cookies. They were part of the prize for getting third place in the float. There was race. a float contest, contest. That, that Tony's part of for like the annual Thanksgiving parade kind of float thing that's happening in town. Yeah. They do, they do like a mini Macy's Day Parade and all the businesses get together and put floats together. And she won third place. Woohoo. It's really good for a business. And he comes by because his family is the one that judges it, you know, and, and um, you know, judges it and hosts some fucking it. cookies I made. Congratulations. Yeah. Even though that doesn't make any sense because if nobody told you you were getting cookies, you're immediately suspicious. Yes. Why would this kid who clearly doesn't make anything come by and say, here's these cookies? Also, that's a shitty third prize. Yeah, and it's a really shitty third prize. So, like, it doesn't make any sense. And he brings her these cookies, and they're regular cookies with flour in them. So she's not going to eat them anyway. So... I don't think he was... Like, here's the thing. Okay, so it turns out the cookies are laced with cyanide. Uh, somehow. yeah. Because the mother made them. Amy made them. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if she just, like, got enough almonds in there to, like, make it a lethal dose. No, of- cyanide smells like almonds. I thought I thought because there was literally like a little bit of cyanide in almonds, like very micro. I thought that's what it was like. Um, I think I think so, but I mean the amount you'd have. Yeah, to you consume. would have to basically consume an ass ton of almonds to even begin. Well, that's like to- that's like it's an apples, right? Two yeah, apple sure. cores. Yeah, but um, it doesn't make any sense. So the mother, Amy, the one who killed Lois, Amy Everett, she also baked these cookies with cyanide and sent them to a lady who has celiac disease. She's not going to eat them. It's kind of who are you going to kill? When, when who are Tony you going to con- kill with those? When Tony confronts Harold later, because it's Harold is the one like she confronts with, like I figured it out and not Amy for whatever reason, because he brought the cookies, I guess. Well, yeah, but but she's like, ha! I, you, anyone would have known that I am gluten intolerant and would eat these cookies, you idiot. And that's like, well, I mean, that it, does make sense because she owns a gluten free bakery. Like, duh. I know. So it's like kind of like exposing the bad writing in a way, right there. But I also think it's fu- kind of funny that like the way <laughs> the the protagonist fools the plot is like, ha! My gluten intolerance yes. has saved me. <laughs> yeah. So the re- so they find out the cookies are dangerous because you know she gets them and she looks at him and goes, oh, these probably aren't gluten free. It's like free. a super, like, it's like if the superhero's them, power was like lactose intolerance yeah like. so she leaves them um on a low table kind of in the entryway and the puppy the, there's a puppy in this book by the way it's great pyrenees puppy it's real cute its name is aubrey i don't know 
And there's also a kid with autism, and there's a whole thing about autism in this book, too, which is really dumb, and yeah, I hate it. He um, finds the puppy, and he takes care of him, and he's, like, all upset about, like, the puppy being found in a hole. Or... Yeah, any, anyway, <laughs> so the puppy at this point in the book is, like, a regular part of the family, and he gets into the cookies, and he eats, like, half a cookie and is, like, fucking super sick and dying on the floor, and so they take him to the vet, and the the 14-year-old niece, like, one of the many kids in the family picks up the cookie sniffs it and goes i think it's cyanide yeah, i'm like she's like her fucking what 14 or 12 year old i actually think she's 12 what 12 year old girl knows what cyanide smells like like what the fuck i mean the internet's a thing and she's probably reading like horror stories or murder mysteries i don't too. know maybe like, but and and even i had they, my like oh what read the mind of a serial killer phase in, yeah like, high that's school true and shit too, i really like, but i still didn't know what cyanide smelled like yeah and 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 it was just so funny because even the main character goes it's really disturbing that the 12 year old knows what cyanide smells like yeah isn't it isn't it disturbing and weird yeah, we're just so not gonna it's, it's go there like though she was wrapping up this book real quick and she just like thought that if she got her characters to say like that's weird and dumb like it would cover up how weird and dumb everything yeah, is I, uh, nope so um, once again then tony goes to confront harold about the cookies and figuring out that it's his mom amy that is the one that like behind all of this and like harold gets like grounded by yeah, his dad and or so, something and so the weird thing is that even though they know amy murdered lois and baked these cookies they don't talk about anything that happens to her yeah it's just like well we figured it out the and end. then it turns out the kid and it's so strange because she tony the main character kind of figures out everything in this weird split second epiphany <laughs> She has in like a kind of a roundabout way, and it doesn't make any sense as to how she was in Black Dynamite, where they figure out the whole underarching plot. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I'll show it to you after. Yeah, and so the whole thing makes no sense, and it comes together super (sighs) sloppily. Yeah, and then they're like, oh, by the way, he was torturing animals. He was going to be a serial killer. Good thing we caught him. Even Except he wasn't the one that did any of the murders. They jail or juvie or anything. They're, he's literally just, I swear to God, from what I remember, it's like, well, he's like on house arrest or he's grounded or something. Yeah, he has like community service or something. But but <laughs> am I am I crazy? Like, did we miss a beat? Was it actually not the mother? Was it Harold that killed Lois and baked the cookies but then just tried to blame his mom? I don't, I don't think so. It wasn't. That wasn't what was said in the book, right? Yeah, neither of us I have that. So. It was literally just like Harold was the like executor of Amy's plot. Yeah. Okay. So here, hang on, hang on. They arrested Amy Everett, so they arrested her. Okay. So well, she fine. Great. Okay, I didn't remember that, but um, like I just I don't. It just comes together really weird. quick. In the end, it doesn't really quite hold together. Nope. Much like a gluten-free recipe. Well, you know. <laughs> no, if you do it right, you can make gluten-free things that are yeah, really good. Yeah, if you good. write a murder mystery right, it can hold together yeah, too. Yeah, that's but. true. <laughs> Fuck you, Amy. Whatever. Amy. I almost call her Amy Para. Nancy Para. Your book sucked. You, God. I mean, if you're going to write a shitty pulp book, fine, but at least make it make sense, please. Yeah, like, it was fine, uh, kind of, as it went along, but then yeah, everything that, like, I was, I was, like, holding on to wasn't a big deal in the end or was a red herring. Like, yeah. the, the gun on the wall never really comes up again. Yeah. Or is, like, useful to the plot at all. It's, like, a literal Chekhov's gun that never gets used. Uh, fucking, like... Just a bunch of stuff just, like, doesn't really matter in the end. And it comes down to just, like, oh, it was Harold and Amy plotting behind the scenes. Yeah, and 
Yeah. Nothing it, in the no story could have, have led you to like think up that it was those two. Yeah. Which which I think some people are under the impression like, oh, that's what makes a good story. You couldn't have guessed anything. But like no. in reality, you should be able to guess some of it and not all of it. There should be some clues. Oh, yeah. That, like, and there you are to... there are zero clues. There are none. The number of clues? Zero. No clues. So yeah, it it yep. yeah, I don't I don't like this book. Should be called a clue-free murder mystery <laughs> because this shit sucked. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the weird male objectification in this book. It's yeah, real creepy. Yeah, so there's a sort of two fellas that are pining for the heart of Tony. She um, only got divorced like a couple months ago, so she's not ready to date. Yeah, so but she's I like, that. I don't want to do any of this. And you have your two uh, requisite, I guess, male stereotypes here. The money guy, lawyer money man, who yep. is like well-groomed and well-dressed, and he's blonde and blue-eyed and like yep. super kind of moneyed up. He's like 6'5". Like, he's like really tall. Yeah, even though he's like not like a douche about his money, he's like supposed to be like, oh, he's coy. Like, I don't really care that I have all this money. I'm a lawyer type. I do good work and everything. Yeah. And then you have a cowboy guy with dark hair and his like flannel shirts that works in the field and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, he is Sam, and I believe the other, the lawyer guy is Brad? Brad, yeah. Or Brad Lee might be his last name or something. I think it's Brad or Brian. Anyway, uh, these these two dudes are always basically showing up at the bakery or at her house and be like, how you doing? You want a date yet? No. Well, I'm coming back later. Yeah. So all they do is like literally and figuratively knock on that door. They just knock on the door to the vagina constantly. (laughs) They're like, hey, hey, are you home yet? Is the vagina home yet? <laughs> is, are you uh, here is, are yet? You open? Can are I come you in? open? Can I come in? It, oh, <laughs> Jesus. It's so bad. And and I and mean, she, the, the guys don't seem like bad people. I mean, oh, yeah, they're nice enough guys, but they're to, like, it's but totally they're the kind thing of where creeps to her be, because they're look, always. Look, it's because Tony, the character, it's so that she has something to like think about and pine for, even though she doesn't really want it. She's, she kind mm-hmm. of does want it. She's like, every time she describes, she's like, oh, I have to hold myself back from jumping on top yeah. of them all the time. And I think I think it's shitty in a lot of ways the way that the way that this whole like love triangle thing is portrayed because there's always love triangles in books like these, yeah, right? Yeah, there's what's always the deal with that, man? crappy what's, love what's triangles. What's the deal with that? What, I don't know. Do, do ladies always want to be have two guys no. on tap? Is that what this is? No. Team Jacob, Team Edward, no. fucking Team Lawyer, Team Cowboy. No, it's annoying. But it pops up in a lot of romance stuff. I think that's because some women want some women want to feel like every man wants just like men. I mean, every yeah, person. That, I would say, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's just a, a human thing. thing. Yeah, you know, everyone wants to feel wanted. They want to feel like they're hot shit. They're the greatest, or they're the hottest, or both. And, and it's fun to be in the position of oh, I have to choose. Yeah, I'm oh, you get the choice, right? So these guys don't seem terrible. But I do hate how creepy they are because every time they're alone with Tony, they're always trying to like touch on her and try to get her to kiss them. And like, not, it's I not mean, great. Like they, they'll put like a hand on a shoulder or the back. Or, I like, still think that's weird. Kiss on the cheek. But she's clearly receptive to them is the thing. Like she I says, know, like, I know. Oh, I'll get around to one of you eventually because like, they, like, they know about each other, basically. But I think that's what I hate about it is that she's fucking playing this stupid game. Stop playing a game. Stop it. Stop. Yeah, either you can tell you should. T- I, I just tell people no across the board or date. I do like that she is honest enough with both of them to say like, "Hey, there's other dudes kind of like knocking on yeah. my door too." That's an honest communication thing that I think is you should tell people. Yeah, yeah, I no, guess. I agree. But at the same time, she shouldn't like kind of let like she let leads them both in of them so on. much. Yeah, she leads both of them on, and I think that's wrong. I think that she, she definitely bo- is like saying like, "Yeah, you can get me eventually." Yeah. You might be able to get me eventually. Yeah, and that's what I don't like Just about it. Just keep trying. 
Just keep trying. Yeah, just keep knocking on that door. Um, so I don't know really who to like kind of place the, the not the blame, but yeah, like I think it's on her. the onus um, here. I think it's on her. And the other thing I hate about her that we both hated was how creepy she is about both of the dudes when she's thinking about them or looking at them. And we get that. She's basically sexually ready to go get that all every time. single fucking time about yeah, their broad shoulders. Me, um, and they're like, yeah, let me just I was read like kind my... of wondering, I was like, am I going to get like some like hardcore dicking in this like gluten book all of a sudden? I, I thought it was going to end that way too, but then it didn't. Like I was honestly was like good. going back and forth on like, is this book about to have a fuck scene between? Yeah. I mean, I kind of thought it was going to, it was going to go that way. And I was like, how far is she going to go with it? Are there going to be gluten-based metaphors for Um, penises? I mean, I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs because just these few paragraphs will illustrate our point. Hit hit us. This is a good way to Um, wrap this up, maybe. Oh, God. Okay. Nice float. I turned to see Brad Bridgeway leaning on one of the metal poles that held up the roof. Why did the sight of him always make my heartbeat pick up? Was it his electric blue eyes? The wide cut of his shoulders, the thick blonde hair now sporting white at the temples. How was it that the man managed to still look like he was a teenage heartthrob? Thanks. I stepped toward him without thinking about it. Today, he wore a tailored dress shirt tucked into nice-fitting Levi's. His shirt sleeves were rolled up, and there was a smudge of dirt on his cheek. Are you working on a float? Elks Club. He pushed me away from the beam. What gave it away, my workman's tool belt or the cut on my thumb? His words had my gaze going to his belt. What was it about a man with a tool belt slashed across his hips? I forced myself to concentrate on the bandaged thumb he held out. Neither, I admitted. It was a smudge on your cheek. There's a smudge? He rubbed at his face, smearing whatever the smudge was until he had a long, dark streak. More than a smudge now. I pulled a handkerchief from my pocket. May I? As long as you don't wet it with spit. I stepped in close and took a deep breath of warm mail and starch. (laughs) Man, you take all the fun out of things. I like my men warm. I reached up and wiped the dirt (laughs) off. Freshly baked. I really didn't want to step back. I really didn't. But we were in a very public place. He was my lawyer and I had sworn off dating. So that basically happens every time lawyer Uh, dude or cowboy man shows up. She's like, I was like lounging in his smell and musk and arms. Yeah. So the sentence that almost killed me and my coworker when I read it at work was, I stepped in close and took a deep breath of warm mail and starch. Jesus Christ! What does a warm mail smell like? Oh, I I don't. Uh, I burgers don't know. and sweat and um, God, why? <laughs> Just ugh. car oil. I don't know. Like, I mean, I get like you're trying to say. I understand the idea that when you like someone, the smell of them is good, you know. But that it just seemed. Ugh. The well, scent of not, warm mail and starch yeah, is definitely not a, a well line put. for the ages. Yeah, not well that, put. What a bouquet. Uh, to, <laughs> it smells like ball sweat and yeah, starch, like right. fresh laundry. And <laughs> Febreze and ball sweat. <laughs> Febreze ball sweat. <laughs> Febreze warm mail. And axe. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> New Febreze warm ball sack and axe body spray scent. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, Chris is right. The passages like that happen every time Sam or Brad are around Tony. Um, and yeah, that she, I also... She describes everyone physically. Also, like most of the town is blonde and blue-eyed. Yeah. Everyone's mad blonde. Weird. Kind of Aryan up in here a little bit. <sighs> Maybe Homer ever has to start throwing footballs at people in the town. <laughs> <laughs> I fought That's these damn Nazis in Germany. I ain't going to have them in my house. No, I mean, I think 
Megan Megan has dark hair and so does Sam. Yeah, there's plenty. I'm I'm kind of like being don't. over the top, but like but, it uh, seems to be that the majority lot, of people in the town are blonde and blue eyed. Yeah, a lot of people are blonde or red haired or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, personally, I just don't really like romancy stuff, and so it was annoying. But I am glad that it didn't go to Bone Town. Like we didn't have to go to Bone Town. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure later on in this series, she chooses. She probably fucks both of them, and then like had that the conflict is like, oh, which yeah. one do I really want? Yeah, I mean, the next book in the series, it's only, all of her series are like three books, I think, except for some of her family-related mystery. I, I don't remember. I looked it up a little bit, but most of her books are three or four books, but, a series, sorry, but this one I think is three. It's Gluten for Punishment, Murder Gone Awry, and then the last one I forget what it's called. Maybe it's still to come out or something um, like that. No, I saw it on her website. I don't think it existed when this came out, but... I don't remember. Um, oh, yeah. Do yeah. you have anything else to say about this sloppy mystery? Oh, uh, it's really this sloppy. very loosely not well kept together. Yeah, you're right. It's like a <laughs> it's like a poorly baked gluten free item. Yeah. Although I will say the best cupcakes I ever had were gluten free. I'll say it. I mean, because the, the the I mean gluten free stuff is kind of great for baking because a lot of the time, but uh, they take a, obviously have to take the gluten out of stuff. And so they end up replacing it with like sugar to, yeah. and fats to make yeah. it taste better. And so, yeah, it does. And it's, it's really I definitely cool. like the texture that gluten gives things. So I actually really love it. In, oh, in really? most things like especially like doughy things like empanadas or like mm. pierogies or something like that. I don't know, man. I've had I've had plenty of gluten free stuff. And I think it's I think it's fine. Like, I don't even notice. I'm pretty sure even ramen noodles tend to have a little bit of something in there. That's well, if like, they're made with flour, then yeah. Yeah. So but like, if they're made with rice, then no. The ramen that I really love at this one place I go to probably has an ass ton of gluten in it based on the texture. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's made with flour, then yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, uh, so I moved recently. I think I mentioned that last time. And um, I now live above a bunch of people I know. And so every Sunday we go downstairs to watch Game of Thrones all together. Um, and we did like family pasta meal. And um, one of my friends who actually does have celiac disease lives below me. And she made corn pasta, and it was actually really good. Like it was awesome. We made that. we made sauce and a little palmate sauce. I would try that. I won't take credit for that sauce. It was delicious, but Paul made it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it tasted great. Couldn't tell the difference. I mean, I feel like a lot of it is that way. Um, so yeah, but obviously, if you don't know what you're doing, yeah, shit can get really bad and fall apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't like this there's, book. There's, there's not much material here. Like we spent a half yeah. an hour of this podcast talking about other shit besides yeah, the book, almost it's, because it's it was such. Not... There's not much there. It's like we we went over the sloppily done ending and sort of the other stuff that bothered us. But in the end, it's just kind of like there's not much there. It's I don't understand. Not much intrigue. There's not I much tension. Know. And like we said, the mystery wasn't well set up. Like there's nothing to lead you to to the conclusion that happens i mean i guess you i mean you could have guessed but but there's not really good evidence yeah and it's it's just not well put together Which to me is the fun part of a mystery book right is like if you can piece it together before the main character does so the other thing i'm curious about is why are puns so common in all of these food related books so i say that because all the so all the praise at the beginning most of it comes from people who write other, um, the, other the food-based mysteries, the, yeah. So, um, from Peg Cochran, national best-selling author of the Gourmet Delight Mysteries, she says about Gluten for Punishment, the first book in the series, she says, quote, Nancy J. Para has whipped up a sweet treat that's sure to delight. 
And then the Soup Lovers Mysteries, they say, A delightful heroine, cherry-filled plot twists, and cream-filled pastries. Could murder be any sweeter? Like... Did people really say this? This sounds so made up. Yeah, I just... it might. Like, yes and no. I mean, those are probably also pen names. Like, a lot of authors write under pen names at this point. Oh, no, actually. no. I, I know. I'm saying I'm saying what they actually said. I know though. that. But, like, you know, they have a personality to put forth. And part of that is, like, being really punny, probably. So, so anything th- that they, there's an official quote from them has to be, like, overwroughtly punny. Yeah, like the cheese shop mystery author. This baker's treat rises to the occasion. Whether you need to eat allergy-free or not, you'll devour every morsel. Yeah, it's just a lot of like, uh, uh. And that's kind of what this whole book is like, too. Everything's a pun, and it's... Uh, oh, we I guess we didn't hey, talk about here, the... here's one for you, courtesy of Rebecca, actually, my friend. Oh, no. Um, uh, what does a pirate pay for corn? Sorry, what does a pirate pay for corn? Yes. A buck in ear. Oh, man. It's <laughs> pretty good, actually. Yeah, see, sometimes it could be pretty good. But... Um, yeah, I guess the only thing we didn't touch on was the Asperger's, the weird Asperger's high horse that this book is on briefly at some yeah, point. Yeah, the, the, the kid has uh, is on the spectrum, and I'm, I think it's, I don't really know if it's a good depiction or not, but there's like a brief moment about like... Um, there, well, it's a, it happens a couple of times. That's why I bring it up, so... Tony's best friend, Tasha, and her son, Kip, who names, what is that even short for? Kipling? Who names their child Kipling? I don't. Kipford. Yeah, I, I don't know. Kipthalamu. It's a. (laughs) Kippered. It's a. a, (laughs) Kipston. No, no, like really, what is Kip short for? Does anyone know? I, I, you know, I think it's just a name. Kip. Kip. I don't know. Kipper. I don't know. Anyway. So, Kippington. Um, Tasha has a son. Kipstifer. Stop it. <laughs> so, Tasha and her son Kip um, live, actually, live with Tony in the giant family house, even though they're not really family because Tasha's fallen on hard times trying to raise Kip by herself. Um, and, you know, that boyfriend she just had who was actually a murderer, you know, that wasn't good for her life. So, she didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. So, they live with Tony now. And Kip has Asperger's. He is, you know, that form of autism. And I feel like it's really not well illustrated. It's just one of those things that's told to you instead of shown, which is a sign of bad writing, um, where it, they, you they, would they never know. Ab- you would they, never they know. They talk about how he's like really averse to change a lot of the time. Yeah, they though. talk about it, but they never show it. That's yeah, what I'm saying. It, it's because at the beginning, you don't notice that he has this disorder because it, you wouldn't know. Sure. Until but they isn't tell that you. kind of like, you know, people with Asperger's act normal sometimes to like you wouldn't necessarily they, they're not doing aspergery things all the time sure but the, the, look i'm not i'm not trying to say that everyone with a certain uh condition or disorder or disability acts the same way every time I'm not trying to stereotype people i'm just saying that i feel like if you really did have a kid like this you probably wouldn't be happy with the portrayal in the book because all they do is say Oh, he can't handle change, but then like nothing really ever happens. Yeah. He cries when the dog isn't there, but like what little kid doesn't yeah. get upset when their dog isn't there? They talk like, about how like he has a very specific know. schedule, and yeah. like if his mom deviates from the schedule, he gets kind of upset. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that could go either way for me if I'm being honest. I with don't you. know. Like, yeah, it, I guess it's I just, just as shallow it was... and insubstantial yes, as anything else in thank the rest you. of the book. Thank you. Like, yes, that yeah. was the point I was trying to make: is that it was shallow and insubstantial. Thank you. I was having trouble. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just having trouble um, articulating articulating that. Uh, 
But yeah, I just I just felt like it was it was this really like ham fisted like autism's bad and you should be nice to people with Asperger. Like that I not that I don't agree with that, but I just felt like it was really poorly done. Like it, much like the way you get like gluten free baking advice in the middle of some yeah. chapters where she's like making 50 pies for the whole town or something. She right. goes on for a paragraph or two about how to properly roll gluten-free dough or something. It's just and like weird fine. filler to like yeah. just lengthen the page count a little bit. I f- but I, I feel like at least that's related to the fact that she has a gluten-free bakery. Like why they have to throw yeah, in this kid with Asperger's, that, I have that, no idea. Also like the gluten-freeness only has to do with like the fact that she has a gluten-free bakery and then in the end, the murder, pl- the, the plot to murder her is foiled by the fact that she can't eat what the po- they poisoned. That's the only way gluten... But it doesn't even make any sense because everyone knows she exactly. has celiac so, disease. So I don't... I don't know. Once again, it's like if you had a superhero whose superpower was lactose intolerance and he foiled various evil plots based on not eating cheese. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's very stupid. And I guess, yeah, I don't understand why... They poisoned all the pizza places in town and I was the only one that wasn't poisoned. So I had to solve the mystery while everyone yeah. was taking a shit. Like, I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out her connection to asperger's and why this was something she decided to include i don't know maybe just to try to be like i don't know the world's diverse and sometimes sure. you got a kid I, with asperger's. again for me it was like an either or i didn't really feel that bad or good about it it was just there wasn't enough material there to really even yeah chew on. it was not i just felt like it was it was something put into the novel sloppily much like the plot um <laughs> where you know it, that it essential just, part of any book just kind of haphazardly yep. jammed into the crust if this book was a pie, oh. it would have been. It would be like the fucked pie from American Pie, where it's just kind of all messy and. <laughs> I, I feel like if this were a pie, it would be one of those. It would be like you know you go into Shaw's or Hannaford's or any any grocery store, and you're like, you know, I really haven't had pie in a while. That you know that it's that fine. strawberry rhubarb looks really good. You know what? I know it's a store pie, so it's not going to be as good as if I made it myself. But I'm going to try it. And then you take it home, and you warm it up, and you cut it open, and it's all rhubarb. <laughs> and there's no strawberry, and it tastes like fucking garbage. <laughs> and you're so mad because you had to just spend nine dollars on this fucking pie. But it's not. This actually happened to me as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so real life. <laughs> it's a. It's an anal- It's a perfect analogy for the book. But this actually happened to me. All right. Well, I once bought a strawberry on too much rhubarb, rhubarb pie, and I like you did know. about uh, gluten intolerance people. <laughs> I think that might be a point to put a wrap on this. No, bowl. no. I'm going to talk about how strawberry rhubarb pie is great, but when there's no strawberries <laughs> in it, it's really weird. Well, yeah, because it's not good. That's the, uh, you know, I'm not coming up the pie for rhubarb. I'm coming to the pie for the fruit filling most of the time. But the rhubarb is also good. It's I, just not by itself. I like fruit fillings more yeah, than I, I like. Yeah, I do too. Like, it's more like if something has cinnamon in it, I'm not coming in it for the cinnamon. I'm, I want that oh, cinnamon yeah. to be the background thing to yeah. something else. To like peach or apple. Yes, exactly. Yeah. God, I am starving. My stomach has been grumbling the whole time. We've been recording like every every couple of minutes, but yeah. hopefully no one heard it. Yeah, um, well, we'll see. Maybe the compressor will bring it up high enough that it'll just oh, be no. super loud on the fucking recording. Just uh, like I've been dealing with some audio issues because I got a slightly new setup. I got a new yeah, recording program. Yeah, I don't program. know what's been going on There might lately. be some fuzziness in this <sighs> one too because I can't monitor it as we're recording. So yeah. I'm still getting used to things, everyone. Oh, and I, and I haven't set up my recording... Uh, area in my new apartment yet but I, I, I think we're solving over. this by you actually coming over here most of the time yeah because i mean i live i live close now so it's not an issue um i don't think there's anything else oh i did actually have one stupid funny thing to talk about so sure. the um the puppy aubrey aubrey yeah so how the puppy comes into play is 
Kip is in the um, park with his mom. He runs away from his mom without telling her while she's texting and crawls into a tunnel and finds his puppy in a hole in a tunnel and saves the puppy. And of course, you know, the puppy is very dirty. So they first find the puppy. It's all brown. It's totally brown because it's covered in dirt. And when they get it home, uh, you know, they they it, it, like some of the dirt rubs off and they're like, oh, I think the puppy's actually not brown. And so they wash it. Turns out it's a white puppy. And the main character picks it up and looks at it and goes, you know, huh, if only you weren't white, I'd swear you were a you were a St. Bernard. And I'm just like, dude, it's a fucking Great Pyrenees. Like, how stupid are you? And then later they're like, oh, yeah, we took her to the vet. Turns out it's not a St. Bernard. It's a Great Pyrenees. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Well, like, not everyone knows every dog breed uh, there is. <laughs> I know. I know. But I just thought it was so silly that they didn't they didn't immediately think of that i mean we have a friend with a big old great pyrenees yeah, that probably do. puts it in the forefront of our minds more than other uh, i guess yeah i guess i also was just raised with like a dog person and so i'm really into dogs but i thought that was kind of weird and i don't know the cover of this book is also really stupid but we didn't really talk about that yeah the puppy is never in the like on top of the bakery or anything no like, yeah but you don't have to have the oh, actual cover scene in the book or and whatever. there's like, also like a broken window which never happens in the book so the cover of the book is a cartoon. Didn't someone throw a brick or something? No, no, oh, okay. this never happened. So there's a cartoonified version of the bakery. And so you see um, like a little cafe table and two chairs in front of a window. And then a bakery case with a puppy on top of it, like breaking fucking health code there. <laughs> and so there's like some coffee in the foreground. And in the background where Excuse the table. Me, is this cupcake uh, puppy free? Puppy hair free? No, we actually mix puppy hair into all of our goods to replace the gluten. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's um, fine. As long as it's not gluten. <laughs> yeah. Delicious. Stringy. Um, so, yeah. So for some reason, the puppy is on top of the bakery case, even though the puppy is never in the bakery and has nothing to do with. It's just like a background thing. So that's kind of weird. And then in the in the on the cover in the background where the, the little cafe table is. There's a bag that says gluten freedom, which is weird because in the book, there's a sash that says gluten freedom, but never a bag. And then the window is broken to the cafe, which makes you think like there was a break in, but there never was. So the cover is like this unrelated. It's almost like um, it's like letting A.I make a recipe it's <laughs> yeah. like they gave all the elements of the story to artificial intelligence it's and it assembled just throw something together it assembled this cover which actually bears little relation to what happens in the book maybe her bakery got broken into in the first book sure but i don't know why that would be why on the cover not, yeah. of the second so this book sucks ass don't yeah. fucking read this <laughs> book please i just don't buy food-based mysteries or something yeah I mean, i'm kind of super curious about the white house chef series if i'm being honest yeah. with you <laughs> like, oh some of the recipes in the back i mean they sound good like they don't sound bad there's like a gluten-free raspberry cheesecake and there's like chocolate peanut butter bars which were really simple which i was going to make and then failed because we did this kind of last minute maybe um, the maybe the recipes are good yeah i mean the recipes seem good like i said they're kind of like just hey make this regular recipe but just use gluten-free flour from bisquick instead it's like oh well i could have thought of that yeah. myself thanks all right uh, well uh anything else to say about this very light and insubstantial 
piece of work. <sighs> I think for me, it's like the last thought I have is like it's it's great that you can sustain yourself on this, but like, where's who's buying all these food books? Yeah, and I would love to see the sales fact, like the sales statistics. What compels kind of you stuff. to like write on that theme? Is it market yeah. research? Is it like I don't? Well, I mean, this she was obviously like uh, she Mary sued this thing because this whole this whole sure. series was very much based on her real life. And is it is it like um, a good thing that these kind of books exist? Like if someone wanted, like is it, 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 I guess it's good that there's a gluten free yeah. mystery if someone's really into that. But is, uh, it, yeah, it doesn't you know, seem like all the wonderful different colors of art and your personal creative process is your own thing. And I don't think you, I, even if Nancy happened to listen to this, like I'm not saying don't stop writing your books or something. Stop writing your food-based books. Maybe do a better job. Please. I would probably say, yeah, could you maybe just put some more effort into it? Like, I get that it's just an easy paycheck, but at least make the plot and the mystery tie up correctly. So I can't decide if it's like a good thing or not that <sighs> this book exists, which is kind of the question I like to ask at the end of every episode yeah. now. It's like, is it a good thing for this book well, to be out there? And I, I don't think, you know, it's funny. Actually, I'm going to get off on a tangent again because I just watched that documentary American Anarchist about the guy that wrote the Anarchist cookbook and the whole documentary was like, is this a good or bad thing that this existed? Um, and the interesting, so I actually didn't know this about the anarchist cookbook until I watched this documentary, but all of the things in it, he just pulled from military manuals that you can get out of any library. Yeah. Which is crazy. I had no fucking idea. I had absolutely no idea. I had no idea. I thought this was some like radical crazy man who did all these things, and that's how he knew how to make all this stuff. You he can never write even... how to make a bomb all you fucking yeah, want. Like, it's not never... illegal to do that. No, 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 no. I know it's not illegal. I'm saying I didn't know that it wasn't coming from someone's yeah. personal knowledge. It was just this kid who was like, he was like 17. He was mad at the government and was like, you know what? If the government can have bombs, then lay people should be able to have them too. And it was just information he found in the library. And... I was astounded by that because I had no idea. I didn't know that. Arguably, that's how and a so, lot of, you know, research works are done. Like, you collect a bunch of data, maybe add a sprinkle of yeah. your own uh, methods and conclusion on right. top. And and so the whole thing was like, well, was it a good or bad thing that this book existed? And, like, he ultimately, the author himself, ultimately came to the conclusion that, you know, he regretted putting the book out because so many people... Because he took that information and put it out in a way that was inflammatory and got people's attention, it meant that way more people had access to it and it got it. He lost. He gave away the rights or he he actually never had the rights to the book and he didn't even know until it was way too late. Um, The publisher had all the rights to the book because he was like 17 and didn't really care. It wasn't really in in it for any reason, but then it ended up becoming bad because the publisher just kept publishing it, making money off of it, and um, you know it ended it ended up in the hands of the kids who um, perpetrated various massacres at schools in the U.S. and it ended up in the hands of some people that did some really terrible things, and um, you know, and he he inevitably wanted nothing to do with it. Um, and I mean, that's a different scale than gluten-free mysteries of, of course, course but, of course but it was the same topic and yeah i know it's and, interesting you but. know while while i don't think of course you know i'm not saying that thing things should be censored but it is interesting that this knowledge was out there but had it not kind of been funneled and repurposed and put out in a different flashy way people never would have realized that they could get that information so it's it's very weird. A lot of human history is like basically building off of the achievements of someone else because they already did it. And so you only have to do a little extra on top of that yeah. kind of a thing. 
um, down to even when I make music and like I want to do a cover of a song and I don't want to program all the drums on my own. Luckily, someone else has already made a guitar profile of all that shit so I can just rip it straight from there and like cut my work time down by like 12 hours of drum yeah. programming something. I did that with like a death metal song that I'm going to cover pretty recently. And I was like, I was like, yeah, this is a good metaphor for a human progress right here. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought when I. Yeah, I mean, you know, I. And so, sorry, getting back to the original question of like, should this book exist or not? I know it's not really the same level as the anarchist cookbook, obviously. Um, but yeah, but like, uh, I'm I, not I gonna... mean, I feel sort of the same way. Like, you know, by saying something shouldn't exist, you're you're saying that you want to censor um, writing and speech. And that's somewhere uh, not, I never really want to go. Not yet. Like, I don't. That's what I mean. Like, I don't ever want to tell an artist, don't do what makes you happy to create. Yeah. But I do question the motive behind it. It's like. You have the freedom to do it, but, like, maybe use that freedom constructively and don't just take it as, like, oh, I can be a total anarchist and I'm going to put my vagina blood on this pig's head and walk around it and call it an art piece. And that's, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you, you can, can do that in but a way like, that might be artful, like it, but usually a lot of the performance art stuff that I see that is shared usually is shared because, like, look at this ridiculous shit that has no point. Yeah. I feel like maybe the more poignant performance art stuff, like, you don't hear about as much. Right. Because it's actually good or something like that. You know, yeah, it's not you're, as... you're right, because I don't, I, yeah. But anyway, um... I think this book sucks and I don't think anyone should read it, but I do understand the, the poor, tired person at an airport who has a layover at three, three in the morning of two hours and can't sleep and is like, well, Fuck guess it. I'm going to spend five dollars on this shitty paperback and maybe it makes him chuckle and keeps him awake. Yeah, for a few like, hours. you know, give like, your brain yeah. something to do for like two hours instead yeah. of staring at the wall and like waiting for your phone to recharge. Yeah, I mean, I do. I do think that it's not a good book and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but I understand why it exists. I kind of wish it did. Even though I didn't find it in an airport, I found bit. it in a regular bookshelf at the Coop at Harvard. Which is awful. Yeah. I think that kills me on the one side. <laughs> um, All right. Well, I don't have anything else to say about this one, Paris. Do you? There was still no rye in this. Yeah, I'm that's really the, that. the biggest tragedy in no all rye. this. Like, even the the fucking pun on the cover of the book has nothing to do with anything. So, yep. like, if I read Home of the Braised, is that going to even have any braised meats in it? It better have braised meats in it, Chris. Right, if it doesn't, we'll, we'll then... see. I guess. Um, uh, we don't know what our next book is, actually. Yeah, we, gotta, we, usually, we gotta shop for that. Yeah, if you got any suggestions, send them over to Terrible Book Club. Leave any of your comments, criticisms, concerns, anywhere. We love to hear from you yep. as much as possible. It lets us know that people are listening. <gasps> I forgot to tell you. Okay. I was on, I mean, not that we're gonna do a sequel yet, but um, I was just like on Amazon. And I think because I was the one that bought and downloaded Moon People by Dale Courtney that we read for episode 14. There's a Moon People too. Oh, fuck out of here, Paris. There's a Moon People too. <laughs> fuck out of here. No, <laughs> I am not. I mean, though that book was. We might have to do oh, it maybe for like 25th awful. episode. Yeah, it was. Quarter centennial. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was really bad. Um, But anyway. We'll figure that out. Send your suggestions. Yeah, please. We like suggestions. You know, the, the bigger of a backlog we have, the better. Yeah. But um, I believe that's going to be it for today. So, uh, I don't know. Watch out for gluten, Paris. Gluten's delicious. I'm going to eat it. Yeah. You know. Actually, I don't even like No, seitan. watch out for cyanide-laced cookies. Don't accept cookies yeah, from wait, a strange Yeah, wait. Does cyanide boy. really smell like almonds? I, I, I mean, believe so. It does. I, I don't know. I'm curious. Don't, I love almonds and marzipan. I guess you know how to kill me now. Yeah, don't secret. accept cookies from small, strange boys. Yeah. That's the lesson today. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll see you later, Paris. All right. Bye, Chris.